Hello, you're listening to Sarah Jackman in conversation with Becky Anderson, Claire Harmon-Clark and Simone Potter. All three work or are contributors to the Chancery Lane Project, a global initiative that sees lawyers and legal professionals collaborate to produce contract clauses that deliver climate solutions. Each clause is peer reviewed and then published free of charge on its website for anyone to use in their legal work. Real estate is no exception and model clauses are available to use in property related documents with more to follow. Becky, Claire, Simone, many thanks for joining me today. Becky and Simone, um, I've, I've touched briefly on the aims of the Chancery Lane project in my introduction there, but as Director of Engagement and Director of Knowledge respectively, perhaps you could expand on that for me and just tell our listeners in your own words really how the project started and what its aims are. I'd love to. Thank you so much and thank you very much for inviting us on. It's lovely to be here. I think the first thing I would say and I think that many lawyers, because many of us at the Chancery Lane Project are lawyers and ex-lawyers, that lawyers recognise very keenly how slowly legislation moves. And it's such an amazingly important uh, way of levelling the playing field. And it's an amazingly important way of enforcing and regulating behaviour. But it is also achingly slow. And one of the things that's so wonderful about the Chancery Lane Project Um, although obviously I would say that, but that us as lawyers and contract lawyers in particular is that we can draft something now that can go into a contract tomorrow. Lawyers are not unfamiliar with the idea that you might have to turn around drafting very quickly to fulfil a client's needs. And so the I think the essence of the Chancery Lane project, as was set up by Matt Gingell and the others, is why can't we do that? But instead of having value or risk or quality perhaps as the subject matter of the material make it climate. Simone did you have anything to add to that? No just to just to echo um, echo what Becky has said really and it's the it's the potential for the pace of change and the potential for sort of rapid implementation of climate conscious drafting into contracts that are used every day and that could be cascaded through an organisation through its supply chain to have a really uh, important and and lasting impact um, in terms of climate contribution of of corporates and organisations. So tell me a little bit then about how long it's been running and, and just how effective it's been so far in terms of cascading those clauses into organisations and into contracts. So the Chancery Lane project has been going since 2019 and the very, very first drafting event, it was called a hackathon then, happened in sort of late autumn, I think, 2019. Uh, and the pace really, I think, has been quite um, heady. I think you might would agree with me there, Simon, that we've gone from a, a, a team of uh, a steering group of four and a, a very tiny team to the expanded team that we have now putting on not just one event a year. But this year, I know you in particular, Simon, have put on many, many different drafting events and workshops on how to get clauses into action. And I think that, that it really must have spoken to some sort of deep deep need in lawyers, I think, to be able to use their legal skills and their contract drafting skills for for something that is really authentic and, and really deeply satisfying. What has the response been then amongst lawyers and, and how do they respond to being invited to one of these events? How do they work? We've had the most uh, just incredible response. Um, it's been 
it's been quite humbling, actually, if I'm honest. The way that the events work, uh, and Simone, you know, please feel free to step in when I get it completely wrong. Um, but the way that the events work is that we invite people to a drafting workshop or a hackathon. We have a large number of lawyers, but not just lawyers, often industry professionals, people who have a deep knowledge of climate or just a deep knowledge of their industry sitting in the room and saying, OK, what are the big issues in real estate around climate change? Where are the big areas that we could make a change? How could that be done through contracts? And then the lawyers will sit there and they will bring all of their knowledge and understanding of contract law, uh, of real estate law, of property and planning law and to draft the clauses that are needed. And I think that that is this beautiful coming together of expertise but it is not just expertise within a single practice area, because climate change is just the most incredibly abstract, complicated problem with so many moving parts. And it really needs this interdisciplinary um, response to it. And that is what is so, I think, unique about the Chancery Lane project is that you will have industry professionals, but you might have employment lawyers sitting next to real estate lawyers, sitting next to commercial and contract lawyers and planning lawyers and saying, how are we going to build a clause which does what we need it to do across the different areas of concern? And so how, how many people typically would you expect to see at one of these events? Well, um, it actually it varies quite considerably. Um, as, as Becky has said, our 2021 event programme has very much been themed along sectors. So we've had a real estate event. We've also convened events relating to the water sector, to construction and infrastructure, to energy and more. And there's been a there's been a sort of a, a varying degree of sort of attendance numbers. But actually, it's not so much the quantity of, of attendees, but the quality of the output. So, for example, our, our real estate event was attended by a think sort of upwards of 40 to 50 lawyers and sector stakeholders. Our water event by comparison was looking at the numbers around 20 or so, but the, the, the type of input and the collaboration that resulted from those events were very different and we had very different outputs. And I think one of the kind of like the difficult thing to to manage as an events programmer and and sort of project manager is is making enough space for the magic to happen in the room, leaving enough kind of space for for the kind of serendipity of what multidisciplinary collaboration can bring and also ensuring that those events are a safe space for people of all levels of experience so it doesn't have to be partners or sort of or board directors who contribute but we open up our events to anyone who wants to kind of come along and contribute and that includes trainees it includes law students um, it includes people in in in-house teams who haven't got experience of contracts but they want to see how to make practical change to the way that they work to have an impact on climate. And it's it's the opportunity and a rare opportunity, I think, for bringing together those people and just seeing what magic happens. And we're forever surprised at the results. And and that's really the, the product that, that we in, end up publishing on our website. When you get to the end of one of these events, do you come out with a, with a clause on the day or do you talk through the ideas and what really ought to go into that and then it's worked up afterwards? Yeah, so the, the events are very much an opportunity for bringing people together to have that collaborative discussion and to kind of bring a kind of melting pot of expertise, seniority and perspective to the idea. What follows after those two events um, is a sort of three week period of offline drafting where teams um, who have nominated to progress an idea and take it forward 
will come together to research the idea, basically put together notes that explain to future users of the clause what, what the climate problem is that they're trying to address in the sector, how the clause seeks to deliver, deliver a solution to that problem and what its practical impact will be sort of in the wild. And then, and then on top of those user notes um, will be the actual drafting of the clause itself. And that's all done sort of a, as a collaborative effort between the individual teams from the event. Once they've finished the notes and the clause, then, then it gets submitted back to the Chancery Lane project. And we call on our community of lawyers again to, to peer review, stress test and quality control the clauses um, before, they, before they are published onto our website. And tell me a little bit then about what's available for the real estate professional. So we've got we've got quite a lot of content on our website currently. So, for example, real estate clauses include a report on title climate change clause. We've got residential green lease covenants clause and also a green assured short hold tenancy clause. And actually, um, Claire, who's on this podcast today and I were involved in um, the idea creation and drafting of a sustainable and circular economy provision for repairing, altering, yielding up and decorating covenants in leases, um, which basically encourage landlords and tenants to reuse goods and, and materials. That's just an example of the real estate clauses that we have. But what I would add to that is that, you know, real estate businesses are like any other businesses. They have governance, they have boards, they have employee um, employees that need training um, and awareness building. They also have supply chains. And we have a clause bank that meets those needs to deliver climate conscious drafting that in turn deliver practical solutions for, for businesses in all of those areas of economic activity. Claire, you, you've obviously contributed to the project from a a know-how perspective. Tell me a little bit about how you found working on it as a contributor. I found it incredibly powerful. Um, This is such an important initiative. It was really inspiring to harness the energy and the ideas from peers in the industry and to draft in that collaborative um, environment. It's genuinely collaborative. Um, Working in this kind of space is a great example of how Taylor Wessing, for example, has made a great and real and tangible difference and how other organisations can also do the same. Um, Like many law firms, we're not obviously major polluters. We're not generating vast emissions, um, but we are committed to operating sustainably. And this kind of initiative gives genuine credence to the idea um, and the message to our clients that we're all in this together. And just touching then on on the client base, have you been able to roll out some of these clauses or to test them out with your own contacts and and clients? And and if so, what's the feedback been? Absolutely. The playbook um, that is that is out now is completely accessible and I've referred to it many, many times. It's a phenomenal resource. It's really well researched. It's committee reviewed. It's a great start of a 10 and it contains the definitions that aren't yet market standard um, and offers suggestions as to how the roles and responsibilities for environmental um, uh, liabilities and initiatives are to be divvied up in the real world or um, the the wild, as was mentioned earlier, I like that. It is intensely practical. So as I say, I've used it many, many times with really great feedback. Um, it's a fantastic way to start a conversation with clients. It's, it's sort of very much built as a start of a 10 and lets you all imagine together what's possible. In terms of your client base, just generally, what, what's the appetite for climate friendly clauses now? Are you seeing that becoming increasingly progressed as time goes on. I mean, what's the current picture from your perspective? Absolutely. Um, I think it's fair to say that most, if not all, of our clients now have a very real interest in this issue. 
Um, we've noticed a growth in the number of appointments at board level, for example, um, with responsibility for delivering on corporate ESG strategies or increased engagement with ESG consultants, even those tasked with reviewing the business operation from a sustainability perspective. Of course, corporates have been trying to act responsibly for a very long time now, but the sea change is in their willingness to put the ESG provisions into their contracts, we've noticed. We've had a lot of instructions to draft um, bespoke green commercial leases or to put ESG provisions into REF documentation. Um, responsible landlords are now very well engaged in creating effective ESG um, uh, EPC strategies for their MEES compliance with the next key date coming up in April 2023. The EPCs and MEES regime is possibly the closest thing we have in the country to a mandatory asset energy efficiency transparency rating. But there are many other industry initiatives that increasing numbers of clients are looking to understand and implement. There's ever-changing reporting standards, for example, or um, plenty are looking for help in attaining ESG benchmark ratings. We're really getting to the point in the industry, it feels like, where valuations consider less the potential in a green premium and more the risk in a brown discount. That's becoming increasingly important. And in terms then of what's next for real estate, in terms of the Chancery Lane project, what's on your horizon? Well, I'll, I'll answer that if I may, and Becky, you can you can supplement. Um, so we've we've just um, we're coming to the end of a really exciting 2021 events program where uh, we brought together real estate professionals to generate new content to look at the clauses we have and and spot gaps and areas where we could um, deliver high impact drafting. So excitingly, we've got five new clauses in the pipeline um, that deal with a variety of issues ranging from um, adding disclosures on climate change issues into the City of London Law Society Certificate of Title, um, right through to clauses um, sort of encouraging landlords to provide electricity um, from renewable energy sources and a real variety. So new clauses coming in. We're also doing some work within the project um, in terms of curating the content and making it accessible for lots of different user groups um, who might not quite know where to start and how to deliver on their aspirations and goals. Um, so a lot of exciting work lies ahead of us immediately before COP26, which is a big kind of milestone in our calendar and one um, that we've had our our eye on um, in terms of the the net zero focused events that we've been running this year. So in terms of COP26 then, are you planning to do quite a lot around that? Yes, so um, going back to what Simone said, throughout the whole of 2021, we've been running drafting events which are aligned thematically with the themes of COP. So they have not been um, aligned according to lawyers practice areas. So it won't say employment, um, corporate. Um, they have been sectoral, they have been industry focused, and they've been aligned with the themes of COP. Uh, and all of those drafting events, they've not just been gap filling events, but they have been uh, events where we have been trying to look at the drafting that gets you to net zero. You know, as as I like to say it, and I've said it several times before, how can you leverage your contracts, this amazingly powerful tool in your business, to help you get to net zero? If you're a business that has signed up to race for zero, if you're a business that's got a strong sustainability plan, and if you're a business in particular who has pegged your director's remuneration to hitting various green targets, then you need something really tangible to help you get you there. Um, and our other clauses that we already have 71 clauses on the website and they're amazing and some of those are absolutely getting you to net zero. Um, but I think that they were all packaged up in everything else that we had. So it's been a question of 
teasing out those clauses which were going to help you on a net zero pathway and creating the new content for a net zero pathway to really create toolkits and resources to say, okay, if you are in real estate, this is the bundle of curated clauses, which is really specific to your industry. This is how they fit together. These are the ways you might use them to help you meet net zero. Um, and so, yes, absolutely. COP has been a huge opportunity for us, I think, and has given us a real sense of um, direction and, and and really just everybody else, I think, in the UK in particular, is so excited about COP and Race for Zero. So it's been really helpful, I think, for us to say, well, we're aligned with that, you're aligned with that. So what we're doing is gonna be really easy for you, you to see where you either fit in or how this can help you. Beyond COP, what or how rather do you expect the project to develop in the future? Where do you expect to be in five years time? Well, I'm pretty sure that our CEO is currently in the middle of writing that strategy and probably wouldn't thank me for spilling it before it's completely finalised. What I think I will say, and I think I can, I think I'm okay to say this, um, is that I know that in amongst the TCLP staff, um, there is a, a sense of a real interest in can we take some of the learning that we've done around drafting clauses for net zero and maybe look at things like biodiversity, which would obviously be a potentially huge area of interest for real estate. I think there is a massive scope for contract clauses to help on the bio path to biodiversity um, in exactly the same way that we've done for net zero. So I'm not kind of spilling any beans by saying that, Simon, I don't think. <laughs> No, absolutely not. No. <laughs> All right. Just finally, then, um, the the project is a global one. How does it translate into other territories and and further afield than the UK? Um, so one of the things that's been really exciting is that seeing different international groups looking at our clauses and saying, OK, how can we make that work in our jurisdiction? And we've recently put up in quite a raw form at the moment because we've been so busy with all of our net zero work. But we've just put up on our website a, a set of 16 US translations of our clauses. So translating what we've done into a US perspective um, jurisdiction and that sort of thing. I know that there are other working groups out there in other jurisdictions. We have a fantastic group uh, in Ireland. I know that there is a really amazing um, Latin American and Spanish group working together and really groups looking at a mixture of translating it into legislation, into context, into jurisdiction and culture, but also where relevant into language. Because I think that for so many of the clauses that we're looking at, sometimes they're pegged to some quite specific regulatory regimes. I think water as a, a regulated utility is one of those areas which doesn't always translate very well because different nations uh, have very, very different approaches to the regulation of water. But for example, something like supply chain, which is going to be relevant in a, in a real estate context, you know, that's often just about how are the business parties deciding what they want to do? You know, there's often it's often fairly light touch in terms of the legislation as compared to something like water utility industry. And so those clauses have a tremendous scope to say it's quite easy to turn these into clauses which could be used in the US or in Mexico or in Australia as well, where that, that work is being done. So I think, yes, I think that one of the lovely things is being able to say, 
because I think we're so far ahead of the curve, because we're not drafting to specific climate legislation, we're drafting in advance of the climate legislation because we're not going to hang around waiting for it to come in. We're not necessarily bound by saying there's a huge piece of work to do here because there isn't a UK law that is vastly different from an Australian law, which is different again from a Mexican or Irish or US law because we're ahead of that. Claire, Becky and Simone, thank you so much for your time. And we really look forward to seeing how the project evolves over the coming years. You've been listening to Sarah Jackman in conversation with Simone Potter and Becky Aniston of the Chancery Lane Project and Claire Harmon-Clark of Taylor Wessing. For more on sustainability, see the EG podcast archive at podbean.com and egi.co.uk.